let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and it's time for another devotional study. Please be sure to visit us at biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find links to our previous episodes and various Bible study resources. Let's have a word of prayer before we get into our devotional study for today. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your watch, care, and protection over us. We thank you for allowing us to come together like this to study your word, and we ask that you'll give us wisdom and understanding that we'll receive a blessing from what we learn today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's devotional study is entitled, The Value of Serving God. And our passage for this study, 2 Kings Chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. And Elisha said unto the king of Israel, What have I to do with thee? Get thee to the prophets of thy father and to the prophets of thy mother. And the king of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, Surely, were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee, nor see thee. Value of serving God. Elisha, as much as we think that Elijah was powerful and direct with his speech, Elisha was no joke in that regard either. Now, the title of this devotional, The Value of Serving God, I am not referring to the value that the believer receives. Not in this case. I'm referring to the value that those around the believer receive. I'll give you an example. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah were benefited by the intercession of Abraham twice, once when he physically went in there and rescued them, and that was because of the presence of Lot, and the other time was when he prayed for them, intercessory prayer, unfortunately, Lot was unable to help in that case, uh, because Lot, they needed 10 righteous people, and unfortunately, Lot's family had fallen apart somewhat, and was not in a position to help there, okay? But there's a value in serving God. There's, there are plenty of examples in the scripture where a godly person in the midst of other people made it such that uh, things did not go totally poorly. Think of Potiphar with Joseph in his house. Think of the kingdom of Egypt with Joseph at the helm. Right? There are lots of examples 
where the presence of a godly person turns that situation around. Think of the little maid in Naaman's household. Naaman is cured of leprosy because a captive Israelite girl pointed out that if Naaman could interact with the prophet, which was in Israel, which was Elisha, that everything could work out. This particular passage from which I've gotten the verse is earlier. It's a little while before the Naaman story. And it includes, it involves a descendant of Ahab. Okay, so let's go to the beginning and get some context here. Now, Jehoram, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel in Samaria the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned 12 years. This is 2 Kings 3, verse 1. And he wrought evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and like his mother. For he put away the image of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he cleaved unto the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which made Israel to sin. He departed not therefrom. Okay, pause a second. Here we have another instance in Scripture where sin is compared, where sin is rated comparatively. And we often say that sin is sin, it doesn't matter, but there's some nuance to that. To the extent that one is committing sin, any sin will keep you out of the kingdom. Any sin will jeopardize your salvation. does not matter how much. Mass murderer or one lie have the same impact on preventing you from being saved if you don't repent. So when we're looking at sin as it relates to a person's salvation, then it really doesn't matter the magnitude of the sin. Every sin is disqualifying. Magnitude of sin does have a bearing. There is a magnitude to sin. And that's why the Bible says he wrought evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father, not like his mother. He put away the image of Baal. So the worship of Baal is worse than the worship of the golden calves that Jeroboam had set up. Both are bad, but one is worse. Okay? As long as you're not trying to argue that a sin is small enough to be ignored by God, there's nothing wrong with recognizing that sins are comparative, right? And don't get into the idea of you being better than someone because your sins are not as bad as them, right? As long as we're not comparing sins from that perspective, then sure. But let's just give a, a basic a simple example of where the magnitude of a sin has an impact on you or the people around you. If you lust after someone and it never moves past the lusting phase, meaning you commit, you violate the seventh commandment, but in your mind, the impact to you is going to be the same as if you actually committed adultery, fornication, etc. But what will be different is the impact to your family and their family, right? If you lust after someone in your heart, 
then you and God have to work that out. If you commit adultery with someone, for real, in the flesh, then you, God, and all the impacted people and their relatives have to work it out, right? So you are affecting potentially your family. You're affecting yourself. You're affecting the person that you committed adultery with. You're affecting their immediate family and your immediate family. And those impacts don't go away very easily, right? Same thing for you hate somebody in your heart, you're angry all all the time when you think about them. It's not a good place to be. It creates a problem for you from a sin perspective, but you and God can work that out with no one else being impacted. If you kill them, there are impacts, and those impacts are permanent because the person is dead. So, obviously, the magnitude of a sin committed in the flesh is greater than the magnitude of one only committed in the mind, but both can disqualify you from the kingdom. Just want to show you how there can be a magnitude impact and there can and and it cannot matter depending on what the focus is. Okay. Value of serving God. That's our primary mission. I, I took a side quest in order to explain this other piece that's also important. Second Kings three verse four. And Misha, king of Moab, was a sheep master and rendered unto the king of Israel an hundred thousand lambs and an hundred thousand rams with the wool. But it came to pass, when Ahab was dead, that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. And King Jeroboam went out of Samaria the same time and numbered all Israel. And he went and sent to Jehoshaphat the king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab hath rebelled against me. Wilt thou go with me against Moab to battle? And he said, I will go up. I am as thou art, my people as thy people, and my horses as thy horses. Okay, pause again. Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, was generally a good king. He commingled his family with Ahab's family by taking Ahab and Jezebel's daughter as a wife for his son. If he had not done that, his story would even be better than it turned out to be. But because of this, either Ahab or, or Jer- um, Jehoram were always calling him up to go on conquest together. Okay, so here they are. Okay, never follow a multitude to do evil and definitely don't marry into an evil multitude. And he said, which way shall we go up? This is Jehoshaphat asking. And he answered, the way through the wilderness of Edom, that is Jehoram answering. So the king of Israel went, and the king of Judah, and the king of Edom, okay, Edom went with them, and they fetched a compass of seven days' journey, and there was no water for the host and the cattle that followed them. I'm not sure why they went to battle with cattle. I really don't know. I can't say. I should look into it at some point but I never understand the whole cattle thing in this case, but okay. Verse 10, And the king of Israel said, Alas, that the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Okay, pause a second here. Really? It's God's fault that you end up 
together on this quest. God didn't call them to anything. He's blaming God, but it's not God's fault. God didn't say anything to him about this. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, Here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. So they went to where Elisha was. Right When he said, Here is Elisha, he meant Elisha's over there in that town nearby. And so they go over to it. And Elisha said unto the king of Israel, so he's speaking to Jehoram, What have I to do with thee? Get thee to the prophets of thy father and to the prophets of thy mother. And the king of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. So Elisha's like, why would I want to deal with you, a child of Ahab, with your false worship? Go follow the gods of of your parents. I don't have anything to do with you. And then, of course, Jehoram blames him again, blames the Lord again. The Lord hath called these these three kings. Verse 14, And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, surely, were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee, nor see thee. But now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. Okay, pause a second. What Elisha said to Jehoram was, I wanted to be clear to you, abundantly clear to you, Jehoram. If it wasn't because Jehoshaphat is here, Jehoshaphat, a man of God, if it wasn't because he was here, I wouldn't even look at you. I would have nothing to say to you. I wouldn't look at you. I wouldn't respond to you. But on account of this man of God, I will speak to the Lord on your behalf. And it's an interesting statement to make because we don't always consider, we have a stigma on ignoring people, right? So we always feel like, oh, it's not polite to ignore people, which I really need to do a study on that because it's not true. There are plenty of times where it is appropriate to ignore people. It's done a number of times in the scriptures and it's done by people, by prophets, by lots of people, including Christ. I'm just saying that right now because it's already there. Because if you name a bunch of regular people and don't name a member of the Godhead, then people are like, oh, but God doesn't do it. Oh, yeah. There are plenty of times where where Christ does it. And it's possible to ignore someone and be rude, right? want to be clear that every time you ignore someone is not necessarily avoiding rudeness. Uh, but it is also possible to ignore someone and not be rude, to be completely in the right. So at some point, I will deal with that. Here, we see an example that because Jehoshaphat served God, his presence was beneficial to these other folks whom the prophet Elisha would have ignored without Jehoshaphat's presence. There is a value in serving God 
and not just for us who claim to serve him, but to those we come in contact with. We should endeavor to provide that benefit to others by mingling with them. Now, we ought to be careful because the mingling that Jehoshaphat is doing is not good. It's not. And, and I should probably do a study on him later because there's a place where he gets himself into trouble for too much mingling with, with people he shouldn't be. But having said all of that, we should seek to be aligned with God and to bring the blessings of God into fellowship with others in an appropriate way. Okay, don't just go hanging out with people in bars so that they can avoid problems, right? That's not what we're speaking about. But in a general sense, when we serve God, when we are aligned with God, the blessings of God will fall upon us and can benefit others if we are operating properly in their presence. We see that with Jacob in the presence of Laban, with Joseph in the presence of Potiphar, Daniel and his friends in the kingdom of Babylon, Daniel in the kingdom of Medo-Persia. There are plenty, plenty examples where God's people, being true to God in the presence of others, brought the blessings of God into the area where, where they were. And so let us consider that uh, because it's recognizable. Most of the people in Scripture recognized when they receive the blessing of God by virtue of somebody else. Okay? And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, surely, were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee, nor see thee. 2 Kings 3, 14. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your goodness to us. We thank you for these examples, these stories that capture uh, very important things about how you operate. We pray, Lord, that you will help us as those who claim to follow you and serve you, that we will uh, do so earnestly, that we will be true and faithful to you, and that in our interaction with others, we will bring the blessings of God into our fellowship with, with our fellow men, operating with them in a way that is appropriate. Please bless us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. You can reach us via email at BibleQuestions at ASBZone.com. We look forward to hearing from you, whether you have questions, comments, suggestions, or concerns. We also recommend that you check out the True Wisdom Podcast, where Robert and I discuss Bible stories and topics together. Both of these podcasts can be found on over a dozen platforms, including Google, Apple, Spotify, and Amazon. Please remember our ministries in your prayers. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study and share His Holy Word.